Welcome to Boston Confidential, Beantown's true crime podcast. Boston is a great city, but there's more to it than the Freedom Trail and Fenway Park. There's a startling underbelly to the city, and Boston Confidential will take you on a guided tour of the hub of the universe, Boston, Massachusetts. Hey everybody, welcome back to Boston Confidential. My name's Barry McGuire, and I'm your host. I'm a 20-year private investigator on the streets of Boston and I help run a company called Impact Due Diligence Investigations. If you need anything in terms of investigative services, feel free to contact me at Impact. If I can't help you personally, I'll certainly direct you to the right person or agency. All right, guys, let's get to it. Guys, welcome back to Boston Confidential. Just some housekeeping stuff. I wanted to touch base a little bit on the reaction we got on the Brianna Maitland case out of Vermont. Big response on that case. People had suggested that almost in mass when I asked the audience for recommendations for a case coming out of Vermont. And I don't know, three, four to one, I got Brianna Maitland. People are concerned about this case. People know about it in Massachusetts. I'm sure it's more front page news in the Vermont area. But man, this case is a true whodunit. In 2020, the last update I've really seen on this case, 2020, the Vermont State Police were working with a company called Ostram, and they do amazing things with DNA. And I hadn't heard anything since then. If anybody else has come up with anything on this case or has seen anything regarding the testing of DNA in the Brianna Maitland case, please send it along to me at Barry at bostonconfidential.net. It seems to have hit a dead end. I know COVID shut down so much, but a two-year delay seems to be pretty big. I'm hoping that it's not the case that they hit a dead end with it. If I remember correctly, there was a fleece jacket there that was not attributed to Brianna or her friend and roommate. So I think that may be one of the things they were testing. I think with DNA in this case, you have an opportunity to solve it. Without it, I don't think so, because nobody's going to speak up. I think what's going to prompt people to speak up among those two suspects and their friends is breaking the handcuffs out. And once those shackles go on, they're going to sing. They think they're gangsters up there. Look at Sammy the Bull Gravano. He ratted. These guys will rat as well. And something that stood out about the Brianna Maitland case is it seems a lot of times law enforcement, now you could probably say this for any investigator or investigation, they get married to one idea. And I believe what happened here was that that trooper refused to process that car, call the owner and get to the bottom of why it was abandoned with its doors open and checks and all this other stuff in the car. I think they got married to the idea that Brianna had run away because they kind of had to. They boxed themselves in. They'd have to admit to the fact that that was a crappy, almost criminal investigation on their part. So they tried to play it off as Brianna was a runaway. And Bruce Maitland just simply wasn't having it. And I believe it was a week after she disappears, he gets a tip she's being held by those drug dealers at a house, and he tells the police, hey, I'm on my way over there, 
And I don't think he was going to be alone. And he probably would have had a shotgun. It is Vermont. So the police were prompted to action on that case. And I think Bruce Maitland was so angry, they owed him an apology. And I think a short time after that, they gave him an apology, admitted to the fact that they screwed up that initial investigation, and then they worked it thoroughly, and they're still working it thoroughly. But five, six days was missed here, guys. And they just got married to this phony baloney search of the car, you know? Surprising in the 21st century, right? All right, guys, so that rounds out all six New England states we've covered cases in. And feel free to send cases along from other states as well. I know we're pretty heavily covering Massachusetts and all that, but definitely still interested in other New England cases. Send them directly along to barry at bostonconfidential.net. And also, guys, it's getting busy here at Boston Confidential. I'm having some difficulty keeping up with emails. I'm trying my best. But we've just surpassed about 160,000 downloads, a lot of audience engagement. So be patient with emails. I will get back to you. I don't forget about you. You are the show. You are the show. All right. We're on to another case. And it's one of the most crazy, inexplicable cases that we're going to cover. And this is the case of Aaron Hernandez. There's so much more to this case than I actually knew. And I lived through it. I'm a lifelong Patriots fan. I go back to the late 70s as a fan. Steve Grogan was a quarterback. I've been through the bad years. I've been through the remarkable years. I loved Aaron Hernandez. And pairing him with Gronkowski as tight ends would have dominated the rest of that decade. But Aaron Hernandez, I don't know what the word is for him. Sociopath, something, I don't know. But the story, there's so much more to it. And the way it's been portrayed, some of it just isn't accurate. And in terms of research, I've done a few things. I've read a really interesting book. It seems to be very well researched. It's called Aaron Hernandez, All-American Murder by Alex Abramovich and James Patterson. There's a third author as well. And I think, I know I keep butchering this name, Abramovich is the main author here. And you know how James Patterson writes with other authors. I don't know if it's a real collaboration, but he uses his name to sell the books, basically. But this was very well done. And Abramovich had written a few other books previously, so I know he is a good and accurate author. But the book is absolutely stunning. I'd give it four stars. Very good book. Check it out. I got mine off of Amazon. My only criticism of the book is there's some good pictures in there, but when you download it on Kindle, I have Kindle for iPad, the pictures aren't where they are in the regular book. They're always at the end, and I tend to miss them. But there's some good pictures in this book of Aaron Hernandez and his family and all that. So that's really a criticism of Kindle rather than the book. So don't take it the wrong way. I've also reviewed the Netflix special on Aaron Hernandez. And the name of that one is Killer Inside, The Mind of Aaron Hernandez. And that seems to start at the beginning of his football career. The book goes back further into his high school days in Bristol, Connecticut. I found that 
pretty intriguing. His early days, man, not easy for the kid, but he seemed to be doing very well. I mean, he knew in high school that he was on his way to the NFL. And I know what you're thinking. You're probably saying to yourself, geez, Barry, you're recommending a Netflix special after what you did to the Trial 4 series. I know, guys. I kind of weigh things. When I see things on Netflix these days, I'm very critical. I watch with a critical eye. This seemed to be accurate, and it jibes mostly with the book and all that in my own recollections. So I think it's pretty accurate. So check that one out. I think you can feel free to enjoy that Netflix special. Just while we're briefly on the topic of Trial 4, I'm still taking a bit of a beating on the emails on that. I don't think it's translated into reviews, but at the beginning, man, we got buried in that one. But we also got a lot of emails to our defense, so I thought I played it straight up the line. But let's get back to Aaron Hernandez. One of the things I think people forget in this case is Aaron Hernandez, when he was let out of his North Attleboro mansion, was 23 years old when he was let out in handcuffs. Hard to believe, man. You look at that kid, you see him on the football field. He's a giant among grown men. And I think he came into the league, what, 21? Something like that. Barely able to have a beer in a barroom. But he's let out at age 23 in handcuffs. And it's just a strange, sad story. There is a lot of misconceptions in this case about Aaron Hernandez. One of them is, and I believe this myself, that he grew up in a gang-infested area, high crime, you know, high drug area. Bristol does have a gang problem, but Aaron and his family really weren't a part of it. Aaron's dad, Dennis Hernandez, he had the nickname The King. He was like literally the king of Bristol, Connecticut. And not because he was involved in gangs, guys, because he was also a phenom on the football field. He was also a ladies' man around town, and he was involved in the community, youth football, different neighborhood things going on. Everybody knew the Hernandezes, and they knew Dennis. Dennis was a stand-up guy. Like I said, Dennis Hernandez was a phenom on the football field, went to the same high school that Aaron ended up going to, Bristol Central High. And he matriculated into UConn and was a record-breaking player. I believe he also played tight end for the University of Connecticut Huskies, UConn, right? And Aaron Hernandez's brother, DJ Hernandez, followed in his dad's footsteps, and he went to UConn as well. So how bad could it be for them? I, I know you could do well still living in a bad area. But that wasn't the Hernandez's life. Dennis Hernandez kept that crap away from his kids. And if you try to bring it to his kids, he was going to step to you. Now, one of the shortcomings of the Netflix special is when it really begins. They don't go back far into Aaron's childhood. And I know there's time constraints and all that, but the book does a better job of it. Let me tell you what I picked up from the book anyway. And also, guys, we're going to have to do this in two episodes. There may actually be enough information here for three episodes, but we'll condense it down to two episodes. And right now, let's get to Aaron Hernandez, the early years. All right, so I guess the Aaron Hernandez story really starts at home in Bristol, Connecticut. And Aaron lived with his brother, DJ, Dennis John, and 
his family kind of mirrored his dad's family growing up. His dad, Dennis, had a brother as well, and they were both spectacular athletes. It's said that the brothers had come into some conflict back in the 70s when they were growing up because Bristol at the time was uh, an Irish-Italian kind of enclave. So Dennis and his brother David had to prove their mettle a little bit. They had come over from Puerto Rico, and there was the typical racial nonsense that goes along with that. But they settled in pretty quickly, and athletics drove them to the top of the heap. And I think at that point, your racial problems kind of go away because you're just one of the guys on the football field. So Dennis in those days was a pretty tough guy. He was known to party. He was a drinker. And at a certain point, I guess they had gotten into some trouble with the police. I guess it was all straightened out because both brothers ended up getting scholarships to UConn. And if you've ever been in Connecticut, UConn is the flagship there, not just for sports, but for everything. A lot of people just want to go to UConn because it's really part of the community in Connecticut. Both brothers didn't finish with a degree out of UConn. And Dennis ended up getting a job as a janitor after he left UConn with Bristol Eastern. That's another school in the district. So Aaron's uncle David became a corrections officer at a prison nearby. So both brothers were doing moderately well and they were happy. And then they became involved in youth sports and then high school sports and all that. They were solid members of the community by that point. But some people would say that Dennis Hernandez, Aaron's dad, kind of suffered from the, you know, what could have been complex. He's a janitor. And just recently, he was a starting tight end for UConn. And I think those bad feelings were exasperated by some pretty heavy alcohol use. There is some pretty significant history in Aaron's childhood of Dennis beating, really beating his mother, Terry, Terry Hernandez, and she'd have her own problems. But chief among them, I think, was her husband, Dennis. When he got drunk, he could be violent. And not just with Terry, but with the kids as well. He was very, well, let's just call him a hot ass. He was a hot ass at home. And that's a good thing on one level where he's waking the kids up at dawn to work out and stuff like that. And again, I just wanted to reiterate that this wasn't a gang area. The Hernandez had a nice house. It looked like a ranch style or something similar, but they had an in-ground pool. They had a basketball hoop. They had a basement that Dennis had finished over, I believe himself, with a hell of a gym in there. And, you know, the kids would go down there, play video games or whatever. And they had a great house near the high school, great area. So, All these misconceptions about gang members and all this in their neighborhood, in their lives, it's just nonsense. It wasn't true. So Aaron's mother, Terry, had met the dad, Dennis, at Bristol Central High. She was a few years behind Dennis, but she was a majorette. He was the football star, and they got together, and I think they were almost inseparable after that. And they got married after Dennis came back from Yukon. They scrimped and they saved and they bought that house in Bristol, small ranch. And this was probably late 90s. So unlike today, 
housing was cheaper, you know, and they put the down payment on, pay the mortgage, just like everybody else. But Dennis and his brother did a lot of work to the house, I think, including setting up for the pool coming in for the kids and all that. Both parents never wanted these kids to go without. They were the total focus of their lives. And I don't know if I had mentioned it, but Terry was a administrative assistant at a nearby elementary school. So it was steady work. You know, you get a mortgage, you do your thing. Terry was always concerned about Dennis's drinking, but he promised to get it under control. I think life was decent for the most part for the family. But there was some trouble in 2001 because, you know, the kids had enough to eat. You know, they had a good life, but they didn't have a lot of money for extras, flashy clothes, all this other stuff. And Terry made a mistake. She got involved with a bookmaking operation and she ran this out of her home. She was taking some bets over the phone. Quite frankly, it sounds like South Boston to me. But she wasn't the brains of it. She was basically a clerk in this operation. I guess the brains of this operation, if you want to call it that, was a guy by the name of Marty Hovansian, H-O-V-A-N-S-I-A-N. And I think I butchered that. And I'm never going to try to pronounce that again. But he was the brains of the operation. Did he probably kick into the mob somewhere in Connecticut up the line? I bet he did. But Aaron's mother, Terry, certainly did not. So was this a minor type crime? I think so. The brains of the operation took a fall and some felony beefs for gambling and all that. But Terry was just a clerk and she was doing it for the money. She wanted to put money on the table. So she did. She ended up taking a pinch over it. And is it a big deal? Yeah, not in my book. And I kind of have some familiarity with it. I know as one of those types of clerks, you can take one pinch and still work for the organization. But if you get arrested twice, the penalties become too high and the mob or whomever you're working for will fire you after that because they could pressure you to turn state's evidence and nobody wants that. But I'll give you the fact that most people don't see it that way. I grew up in kind of a different neighborhood, I think. Terry Hernandez did as well. So Bristol's a small town and people began to talk and the brothers DJ and Aaron kind of got ribbed over it. I think Aaron was about 12 at the time. So he kind of took it more personally. DJ kind of laughed it off, but it probably wasn't a great feeling that your mom got pinched and all that. It all got worked out. She didn't lose her job, I don't think. And she didn't do any time. She was a minor player, all this. And the cops knew it. So by all accounts in those young years, except for this pinch, things were going decently for the family. Aaron was a happy-go-lucky kid, as was his brother. Tremendous sense of humor, into pranks, you know, playing pranks on the family and all that. But at about this age, Aaron really starts to grow, and his athletic prowess became apparent. And... I think that was partially due to his dad and his brother. His brother was a little bit older and they played. They didn't give each other any space, you know, how competitive brothers can be. And I think that actually did well for Aaron. He actually became, people say, a better athlete than DJ. And DJ at that time, he was a phenom on the high school team and then on to UConn. So this guy was really looked up to in the area. And Aaron did look up to him as well. 
So I guess things weren't perfect at home. But whose home life really is? It didn't seem to be that bad. It's definitely not the gang life that has been portrayed for Aaron Hernandez. So the publicity around Terry Hernandez's arrest seems to fade pretty quickly. But Aaron Hernandez would continue to have trouble with his mother and some very poor decision-making. And I know they refer to Dennis Hernandez's alcoholism or heavy drinking. At any rate, I think Terry had some of those same issues as well. And as the brothers got a little bit older, there was a horrible scene at one of the football games. This was in about 2005, I believe, and DJ Hernandez was excelling on the football field for UConn. He played quarterback and wide receiver, and he was excelling at both positions. It seemed like the team didn't really know what to do with him. He was so good at both. If they assigned them to one role, they lose the other, you know? So this scene happened at a UConn football game, and Terry Hernandez had become romantically involved with a married man, a friend of the family. His name was Jeffrey Cummings, and he was married to a woman by the name of Tanya. And they all knew each other, and it was just a horrible scene. But anyway, DJ's down on the field. Not playing football, but it was during a pause in the game. Tanya came up to Terry Hernandez and slapped her hard in the face, right in the stands. And so now this secret where mom was having an affair with a family friend is front page news. And by front page news, I mean just the neighborhood gossip line, not really the newspaper. But as sometimes happens in families, when you think it can't get any worse, it actually does. And it got much worse for all of the Hernandezes. So this brings us up to about January 2006. And I don't know if I had mentioned it previously, but Aaron's uncle Dennis had been diagnosed with cancer and things weren't looking good. And Combine that with the affair the mom had with the family friend and all that. Things weren't great. So if there was bad news to be had, people would have predicted that it would be Dave Hernandez that wouldn't make it, that would probably pass away due to the cancer. At the same time, Aaron's dad, Dennis, goes into the hospital for a routine hernia operation. Pretty quickly, his condition worsens, and he eventually dies pretty quickly. And ultimately, it was determined that he had a bacteria infection due to the surgery, and there was nothing anybody could do. The Hernandezes were completely devastated. Actually, the whole town was, really. Don't forget, this is the king, and he was the king of Bristol, Dennis Hernandez, right? So at this time... Aaron Hernandez was 16 years old. He was still a pretty shy kid. DJ Hernandez was a little older now, and he was playing for University of Connecticut. And it was just a horrible scene. The funeral parlor in Bristol, the largest one, was too small. And they tried their best. They had to try to make it work. There was no other option. But people said to get into this funeral, to pay your respects to Dennis, the king, it took over an hour to come in, pay your respects, and, you know, amble on out. It was that big. He had touched that many people in his life. 
a lot of people point to this time as a turning point for Aaron Hernandez. He didn't really cry at the funeral. He was a reserved kid. A lot of kids are at that age. DJ was openly weeping. He was devastated. And I have to tell you, studying sociology a little bit, death affects people differently, but it is good to grieve and openly grieve. And DJ did, and Aaron didn't. And, you know, look at the results a few years later. I'm not pinpointing to that exact moment, but losing dad was big in this household. And Terry Hernandez wasn't much help, really. In terms of athletics, though, this is where Aaron really takes off. By age 16, he had a few inches on his brother DJ, and pretty soon he'd rise to the height in high school of six foot one, 245 pounds. None of that was fat, it was all muscle. He's a great looking kid. DJ's a good looking kid. If you saw pictures of them side by side, it would be difficult for you to figure out who is who. One thing that a lot of people don't know about Aaron Hernandez, and I certainly didn't know it, he was a basketball star and he had committed to football. You know, he loved it, but he could have played college basketball on some level. The night following Dennis Hernandez's funeral, Aaron Wound scored 30 points against Windsor, Connecticut, who was a powerhouse in the league. But Aaron was like unconscious in this thing, basket after basket. He's six foot one. A lot of kids aren't, you know, in high school. But that makes you a really big guy in basketball. And he was just dominating. He dominated in basketball. And if he had chosen to do so, I think he could have played college basketball at any rate at a pretty high level. So Aaron, ever the athlete, really blossomed, not only in the basketball court, but on the football field. Pretty soon, he was named the number one high school tight end in the country. And I think I neglected to mention this previously. At age 14, Aaron went to a football camp for high school kids at UConn. And on the spot, they offered Aaron a four-year scholarship to play for them at age 14. Can you imagine that? And now the time was coming, and Aaron did verbally commit to go to UConn, and he wanted to play, I think it was the final year or the final two years of his brother DJ's career at UConn, and he was dying to play with his brother again. And all seemed to be set for that, despite this tragedy of his father passing away so quickly. And I think his uncle passed away shortly thereafter as well. It was around this time that Aaron's mother, Terry, said she saw a change in him. He was so angry, but how could he not be angry at mom at that time frame? You know, mom and dad were working on getting back together and sorting that affair out. And he died before that could be done. So there was a lot left unsaid there, I'm sure. And Aaron did take it out on his mother, Terry. So that takes us up to about Aaron's senior year, and he was getting the treatment of a big shot at this point. He had verbally committed to UConn, but larger schools, Division I schools, powerhouses were calling for Aaron Hernandez, and he got caught up in all that. Who wouldn't, right? But Aaron was still having problems with his mother at home, and DJ was off to college at UConn. And so it was just those two. And 
I don't think Terry Hernandez made good decisions after that. His dad had just died, and he knew about that affair from just months prior. So I think it would be safe to say that this was the worst time in Aaron's life. Aaron would go on to say that he was totally lost during this period, and he'd state later in interviews that he was best friends with his dad. Other people were close with him, even DJ, but Aaron said he was the closest. He was with him every day. He hung out with him. Whatever dad did, Aaron was tagging along. Then they'd watch TV together. And now all of a sudden, without any opportunity to say goodbye, his dad, Dennis, is just gone. And Aaron turned to the streets, really. Some people that his dad, Dennis, would have never allowed around the family became friends of Aaron's. And without DJ and his mom kind of just not present, right? He gravitated toward the bad side of town, the dark side of town, basically. This is where Aaron came into contact with two people that would, I don't know if ruin his life is the right word, but he came into contact with Carlos Ortiz. He was known as a druggie around town, a drug dealer, a thief. And he also came into contact with a known drug dealer. He was known to the Bristol police, and his name was Bo Wallace. And these names would ring in Aaron's near future over and over again. The police would later say that Ortiz was associated with a gang called the Doo-Wop Boys in Bristol, and they were a set of the Bloods. And Aaron seemed intent on infiltrating this side of town, and it would be his downfall ultimately. And it wouldn't take very long, quite frankly. So guys, that takes us up to 2006, April 2006. Now, University of Connecticut is trying to make sure that Aaron Hernandez is still on board with going to school there. But again, all these larger colleges, Florida Gators, I believe Nebraska had some interest. I mean, powerhouses here. And I think Aaron at this point, he knew he was associating with the wrong crowd. He's having problems with his mother. DJ was still gone from the home, and he was thinking that he'd like to get out of Bristol for a while. And on that level, I think that was a good decision. And around this time, he became heavily recruited by the Florida Gators. But let me save that, guys, for part two, and I'll take you up from the Florida Gators. And this is the first incident in Aaron's life where he is believed to have shot somebody. And it all just went so terribly wrong in Florida for Aaron. And that set the stage for what would come next. But guys, I'm going to leave you there. We're running a little bit long. I'm going to come back next week for part two. We'll go from Aaron's college playing days to the end of his life. And it's a short jump from there. I'll tell you that. All right, guys. I'll see you on the flip side.